This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. Ready, open on Roman. Open, go. When I'm not making radio, I listen to a lot of radio. More than most people can imagine. Set a down clock for 4.30, please. My earbuds are constantly lodged in my ears so that I can press play and listen to radio at any moment that doesn't require me to talk or listen to an actual human being in the real world. All right, well, now is the moment in our show where we uh, endorse... Management Oversight by Tori Malatia. Audio newspaper for a visual world. Sure! Answer The show's produced by speaking into microphones. Hello, it's Jason yes. Isaacs. Stand by to open Julia. Whether I'm walking on secret stairs or doing the dishes. Open. Or driving the car. You're there, but you're somewhere else, too. We producers aspire to create driveway moments. TM. Stories so good that listeners can't leave their car until they're over. I think part of what makes a driveway moment is the end of that moment. When you realize what time it is. You could have been staring at a clock all along, but for a while, for once, it had no power over you. That time distortion field is one of public radio's secret awesome powers, which is why it is such a shock when those of us go from being radio listeners to radio producers like me and my friend Julia Barton here. The audience is hearing this. It's hard to believe he's not nervous. <laughs> but this is what radio sounds like on the inside. I'm 32 seconds short of what I'm supposed to have. So what I'll do is I'll just play 15 seconds of this song. And then while we play this 15 seconds, you will... I visited NPR's headquarters in Washington, D.C. and sat in on the live roll of All Things Considered their flagship afternoon news magazine show. There are clocks all over the studios, big red digital clocks, huge round analog clocks, special software and calculators. Time calculators, where 60 plus 60 equals 200. Hi. Matt, uh, Brandon wanted me only to play 15 seconds, but you wrapped up 45 seconds earlier, so now I have to play a long time. Is it okay? Yeah, I mean, we don't have a choice, really. Do we have enough to dead roll it? I don't think so. Monica Estativia directs All Things Considered four days a week. To me, it's the scariest job in the world. That fear is built into the design of a program like All Things Considered. It's the show clock. The show has a set clock. It's a template from which it almost never varies. Every show that broadcasts or aspires to broadcast in the public radio system has a clock. Basically, it looks like a pie. It's round and it's sliced in lots of weird ways. Some of the slices are very thin. There's 59 seconds for the program opening. We call that the billboard. 14 seconds for the funding credits. A fatter slice is five minutes for the newscast. The biggest slices are lettered A, B, C, and D, and they are the segments. That's where the stories and interviews live, and they have to fit together. One minute to close. I remember I was very scared of the clock. It took me years to figure it out completely. The clock is your master for the two hours the show rolls out. Everything has to be ready. Segments can't run long by even a second, because most of the local stations are automated to cut off the national program where the clock says they can. These times are called posts. You have to hit the post. Nothing can go wrong. But of course, things go wrong every day. Someone reads too long, an interview runs too short, you might hear the dreaded dead air. Or someone rushing to hit the post. Then listeners can hear the clock. He who can't be named in public radio. 
and then the spell is broken. When you look at this document, you see something very regimented, and we've talked about how it is very regimented in terms of um, things happening at a particular second, but the goal is for people not to really know it's there. That's Greg Dixon, who also directs All Things Considered. But like most show directors, he never actually looks at the diagram of the program clock. This visual representation was hard for me to reference quickly. I have a, I had a piece of paper where I lined out every single time when things started and how long they were going to be. Um, it was my cheat sheet, and I, I brought it into the studio every day. And according to Greg Dixon, he brought it in much longer than he actually needed it. Until it was in tatters. But those crib sheets, and you will find them everywhere in broadcast, are a bridge to the place where the clock actually lives. But you can wake up wake us up in the middle of the night and we can be like 59, 5, 28, 12, 28, 128, like 748. We know we can go down the, the entire hour without ever stopping because we know it, we know it by heart. And, um, and of course we had dreams about it. At NPR, they're called Director's Dreams. You lose control. You cannot regain back control, and you have lost sense of how much time is left in the segment, how much time is left for that piece, and usually it's like the worst panic attack. And you wake up and you're sweating, and you can't believe you just had another director's dream. (laughs) I've had those, uh, where I'm on the board announcing Morning Edition on KALW, and the sliders uh, don't do anything. And the buttons just don't look right. And so rather than try anything, I'm just paralyzed with fear. Oh, yeah. In my dream, I'm doing a newscast with no copy. And I just have to talk and talk and talk and talk (laughs) and talk like an idiot until the clock goes down. And I haven't even seen a down clock in ages. Now, with podcasts, there is no time scarcity, no interlocking gears of local and national broadcasts. And that changes everything. But we also make a version of this show that fits inside the NPR clock, the C segment of Morning Edition, to be exact. Four minutes and 30 seconds exactly. Over by 143. So I'm going to have to figure out a way to take all of these ideas, or at least some fraction of these ideas, and cram them into a show that's less than five minutes. And sometimes that really, really sucks. But you'd be surprised how often I actually really like the brief radio version of this program. The first time I really internalized the difference between doing radio and doing podcasts was when people would tell me that they wanted my stories to be longer. In the entire decade of radio I produced prior to this podcast, no editor has ever asked me to go longer. Yeah, and I was your editor, Roman, and I can vouch for that. You were so mean to me. I was so mean. 430, sucker. But podcasts have no constraints. You can be any length. The only constraint is the content. And people always tell me they wish this podcast was longer, but I think the show would suffer if it went on too long. And so maybe there's a need for a clock, even if the clock isn't strictly required. Constraint, or maybe just restraint in this case, makes for better art. When I started thinking about the broadcast clock as a piece of design, I wondered how it all got started in public radio. NPR came together in the late 60s and the early 70s when network news was king. And those broadcast shows, of course, had a clock. But public radio news wanted to be something different because of this guy. I'm Bill Seemering, and I was the first director of programming for NPR. Bill Seemering! Bill Seemering. He came up with the whole idea of All Things Considered. 
which of course everyone in the business now refers to as ATC. In the original mission statement, ATC was called a daily identifiable product. (laughs) (laughs) But you decided that wouldn't be a good name for the show going forward. Right. Bill Seamreen was among the earliest designers of the public radio sound. That sound included lots of audio and voices from the world outside the studio, and it called for a documentary-style approach, even to same-day news. For that, Bill designed a very open clock. We didn't have a lot of breaks throughout it, and it was um, this frustrated some people because they thought they wanted a very fixed clock. There was a clock, but it was uh, not that tight. It was tight where we had joins with with the stations but otherwise it was not and i think that's one of the things that made it interesting to listen to because it wasn't predictable that way and you let the the stories the stories were leading (laughs) the length of the piece the old atc clock only had a few slices and a lot of open space in there one story might be two minutes followed by another that was 20 minutes it was open it was kind of like a podcast But as Bill was saying there, not everyone appreciated that. There was a conference two weeks after ATC rolled out, and the station managers just called Bill Seamring to the carpet for his fluffy, loose-sounding program. And there was something else that they really didn't like. And this is a digression here, but this is a podcast, so we get to have digressions. And of course, I got this criticism from some about women's voices and all that stuff, that um, on FM, women's voices have the high frequencies, and you you should see the meter. Bill, when women's voices come on and that kind of thing. Really? They said women's voices were too high for FM? Yeah, that some voices would peak the meter too much. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> the upshot, Bill Seamreen was out of NPR a year and a half later. And in the years that followed, the NPR clock began a long process of becoming more subdivided. The women he hired, like Linda Wertheimer and Susan Stamberg, are well-known. Seamery went on to help turn Fresh Air with Terry Gross into a national program, and he's the kind of the patron saint of creative, open-style public radio, including this program right here. But, you know, being loose and open can also be its own form of pain. People often mention to me, you know, the boy, those were the halcyon days of all things considered, and I was there. No, they weren't. That's Neil Conan, who's done everything at NPR, including until... Recently, hosting the two-hour live call-in program, Talk of the Nation. Neil Conan loves the clock. For him, it's an art form unto itself. There's these little things that, if you've never done it, are impossible. If you've done it forever, you don't even think about doing them. Uh, You know, how long is five seconds? Five seconds is a long time. You could ID three guests and say goodbye in five seconds. So it's not surprising that when Neil Conan took over Talk of the Nation, he added more time elements, more posts. Because it turns out you've said pretty much all you need to say about medical marijuana by the 40, and you should go on and do something else. Unfortunately, Neil Conan is doing something else now. NPR recently canceled Talk of the Nation after 21 years, and he resigned. Neil Conan says artificial constraints make us better. And I know this as a person who edits audio stories. We lose perspective when we're inside the story, just trying to make sense of all our reporting. We can't tell what's important anymore. If we don't have any constraints, we can make boring and confusing stuff. The constraint doesn't have to be a time limit, but at least the clock forces us to have a perspective. It says stop right there and figure out what really matters. 
Of course, the clock can also limit what you say, as we'll have to do in the broadcast version of this piece. Or it can create nonsense, where you suddenly have to fill time you didn't expect to fill. So there was a day long ago when Neil Conan was not master of the clock. When he first started at NPR in the late 70s, he had to direct this new show called Weekend All Things Considered. I was being briefed on the clock by the then director of Weekend All Things Considered, Deborah Amos, who's gone on to some renown as a reporter. And uh, my question to her was, you mean exactly the time? And I think we ended that first show that I produced about four minutes early. I was so terrified of blowing the post. So a while ago, I went to hear Deborah Amos speak. And afterwards, I asked her if this story was true, that Neil Conan ended his first live NPR show four minutes early. And she said they did. And that they had to grab the longest film music they could find in the studio, which was some kind of whale song. No super-designed, subdivided format is telling us when to stop this story. We're just kind of winging it. But you know, people in radio are always kind of winging it. Whether you're in a studio shed like mine, where I don't even think I have a clock in this room at all, except for what's on the computer, or you're in the broadcast palace in D.C. with clocks everywhere. Okay, we had to do some adjustments, but we're good. Uh, Melissa, you have the line. We just hope someone out there is listening. Okay, see? Disaster avoided. Yeah, she finished 45 seconds earlier. But they're not listening hard enough to hear the clock monster that haunts the dreams of anyone who's looked into its dark soul. Yeah, stand by. Ready. Open. Under. All things considered continues in a moment. Take her out. Ready. Hit break. Julia, but hold Roman open for credits and go. 99% Invisible was produced this week by Julia Barton, Sam Greenspan, and me, Roman Mars. We are a project of 91.7 local public radio KALW in San Francisco and the American Institute of Architects in San Francisco. Support for 99% Invisible is provided in part by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create a professional website, blog, portfolio, and even an online store. And this is the best month ever to sign up for Squarespace because right now, they just sent me this email yesterday, they're offering 20% off first purchases on new accounts. That's double the previous discount when you use the offer code INVISIBLE9. They have beautiful templates, drag and drop functionality, and I know that listeners of this show will really appreciate their design focus. Squarespace really cares about design, both in terms of the usability and the aesthetics. For a free trial, and for this month, 20% off new accounts, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code INVISIBLE9. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Support is also provided by Tiny Letter, email for people with something to say. Producer Julia Barton has something to say. She could not stop laughing when we were tracking this week's show. Neil Conan ended his first live NPR show four minutes early. (laughs) I just, I feel like I'm living their nightmare. They've never forgotten it. That reminds me of the time that I produced a live show about the singer-songwriter Michelle Indegoncello and Michelle Indegoncello did not show up until 50 minutes into the hour. 
it was the worst hour of radio ever created. But I would subscribe to the Broadcasting Disasters newsletter. Let's make that happen. Tinyletter.com. It's free, easy, minimal, and powerful. The simplest way to send an email newsletter. From the great people behind MailChimp. We are distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange making public radio more public. And if you want to hear real clock-free radio, try PRX Remix. That's radio driven solely by content and quality. You should really give PRX Remix a try. It's a different kind of radio experience. Find out more at prx.org. You can find the show and like the show on Facebook. I tweet at Roman Mars. Sam Greenspan, he tweets at Sam Listens, even though he doesn't. Oh, come on! Right now, on our brand new website, we have diagrams of broadcast clocks so you can say to your friends things like, I heard that during the eBlock of Morning Edition. Knowledge awaits at 99percentinvisible.org. Or if you're feeling saucy, try 99pi.org. All right, take them out. Let's go home.